you're new with us, we are in the middle of a four-week teaching series called This Is Mercy Road, kind of a This Is Us TV uh, you know, show theme. If you have not watched that show, you're going to bawl your eyes out if you go watch that show. And this four-week teaching series, this well, week and a half so far, has been a pretty emotional time together. You're going to hear another story from a man in our church as you get the backstory of their life. If you missed last weekend, I really want to encourage you, and I really don't say this often, go online and watch it. It, it is powerful as a couple in our church who have been on staff for several years uh, Matt and Megan Mellinger shared their story of what God had done redemptively in restoring their marriage after a, a short affair several years ago. And it is, it's a powerful thing what God has done in their life and in their relationship. So be sure and watch that. But this week, the, the, the one issue is, unfortunately, it takes two for reconciliation and restoration. And not everyone has that story. We know that. Maybe some of you here uh, don't have that story. The person you're going to hear from today, uh, life didn't turn out the way they thought. They always wanted the marriage that their, his parents had, and he just couldn't seem to get it right. And so I want to share with you, if your life hasn't turned out the way that you thought, God's not done with you. And that's kind of at the heart of what today is about. Will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are attending online with us from different parts of the country, the world. We're glad you're here. Hope you connect with God. Go ahead and power on your Bibles or turn to the one in your book rack. I encourage you, if you are attending online right now or you're here and you have your phone out, we encourage that. You can actually share this on Facebook Live or mercyroad.tv on your social media of choice. You never know what God will do as you do this. So thanks for sharing. But this teaching series uh, this week takes us to a new spot. Uh, our theme verse for these first few weeks comes from... Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. If you're here and you're, you're new to Mercy Road Church, we welcome you. We believe nobody's too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that the church today should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at spiritually, we say that every week, we're honored that you are here and John, the apostle in the 90s AD, is writing a letter to Christians, encouraging them to rebel against the temptations of the world, particularly this heretical group known as the Nicolaitans. But in this verse, he's describing the three major temptations that the enemy loves to use in our lives, the, the lust of the flesh. And I want to encourage you, do not miss next weekend. And I'm, I'm only doing this during this sermon series where I'm using stage time to, to encourage you to bring a friend or family member the following week. I, I rarely ever do that because I think it's going to be super powerful as we talk about lust of the flesh, sexual temptation, and everything that comes with that. Don't miss it. It's going to, of all the, the messages, next weekend's going to take the most courage for an individual in our church. Secondly, uh, the, the second one it says is the lust of the eyes. That's what we're going to talk about today. Last week was the pride of life. That pride was really the thing that in the Mellinger's relationship that was causing issues. But the lust of the eyes in our culture, in our society today, is one of the most uh, major problems that many Christians in the American church faces. If you're not familiar with the lust of the eyes, what that is, it's like, if I just had this thing, I can see it. If I just had it, I would finally be happy. If I, if I just had that next purchase of that automobile or that car, 
I would finally be happy when I get to the end of the rainbow, I'm finally going to have the life I always wanted. The only problem is those material possessions that we purchase with the lust of the eyes that advertisers use on television to get us to purchase things, it never brings us the happiness we thought it was going to bring us. Right? That's called buyer's remorse. We all know that. It's not just about purchases, though. For some of us, we always dreamed about if I just had this boyfriend or this girlfriend or if I just had this marriage, if I finally had the kid, if I finally had whatever it is, I would finally be happy. And yet we're never grateful for what we have already been given. I think of it like uh, at the Multiply Conference on Thursday and Friday, which I'll talk about later. It just went amazing, man. We had people from all over the, the country and even uh, a person from Australia, a group from uh, Canada all came here on Thursday and Friday. It's amazing uh, what God did. But as we were uh, preparing for that, uh, I was sharing a story on Thursday morning of my son, Jet, uh, who's three years old and he's in preschool. And while that was literally occurring, my wife gets a phone call from the preschool principal saying that he had been sent to the principal's office. How bad of a parent do you have to be to have your three-year-old get sent to the principal's office? And yet there was my kid. And the reason he got sent there was because he got into a conflict on the playground because someone began to play at the top of the slide with the ship's wheel that you get to spin. And apparently that was Jet's ship's wheel and the other kid did not know it. And when he got on it, he got very angry and made sure that kid was aware how angry Jet was that he was on his thing. We think that if I just get that, I'm going to be happy. It's mine. This is what I need. I earned it. I got to protect it. And yet that never truly brings us happy. By the way, it's not just angry three-year-old toddler. There's a whole lot of Christian toddlers in our churches around the country today who need to hear this message because we live it out constantly. We lust for what, this is a big idea, we lust for what we don't have because we're ungrateful for what we've been given. Leave that up there for just a moment. We lust for what we don't have because we're ungrateful. We're ungrateful for what we've been given. Uh, You may sit there and go, not me. Well, I'm telling you, it's me. It's me. I I, I don't care how um, spiritually mature you are. We all struggle with this just a little bit. Let me give you an example. How many of you got up and you went to your car this morning? You're like, it is too cold outside. It is just too cold. Anybody agree it was too cold? Come on, Richie Pfeiffer, you post on this every day, man. It's like the weather in Indiana is miserable. It's just, I mean, September, it rained all the time. We are never happy here. And three months ago, we got into that same car. And what was it? Too hot. (laughs) Well, it's too humid. We get, I lived in Southern California for seven years. The weather was never perfect, even though the weather was perfect every day. That's 83 today. That's three degrees too high. I'm very uncomfortable. Some of you go out to eat, and you, that waiter or waitress, oh, they're too slow. They're too slow. Or some of you, you take forever to order something off the menu, and the wait- waitress is what? Too fast. She's moving too fast. They bring you the food too cold too cold or they bring it to us oh, too hot burn my mouth i'm gonna sue you right like we are never happy it snowed this week did you notice that it snowed who was grateful for it snowing what's wrong with you people that's miserable it's like the first of november what a horrible time to be alive right like some of you 
You, we get frustrated over the most small things and totally ungrateful. You, you have, get out that cellular device that you have, that iPhone or that Samsung. There is more technology in that than sending a human being to the moon. You can talk to a robot. On the, it's not even a real robot. It's like a fictitious robot named Siri, and she will talk back to you. You can even select her accent. And yet she doesn't ever do what you want to do, how you want it to do it. So what's wrong with you, Siri? And you throw your phone down. Then the, the Wi-Fi is too slow. The LTE service coming from a satellite in outer space. It's not good enough for you. What is wrong with this? I don't get in reception. My phone. Like we are so ungrateful in our society. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're going to praise the Lord when they win a football game. Amen. Amen. Yes, we're going to have a big, big worship service that weekend. But Nick Saban, when they won one of their national championships, you know what he said right afterwards in the interview? They asked him, hey, what are you going to do tomorrow after you just won the national championship? Start getting ready for next season. <laughs> None of us, not even the great Nick Saban, we're going to, um, in all of his greatness, but we're, we, uh, none of us are ever grateful for what we have right in front of us. That's at the heart of what I want to share with you. It's what Jesus gets to in Luke chapter 17. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Verse 11 says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Pause for just a second. You may not be an ancient geographic specialist, but I want to, uh, you can understand this. What is occurring here is this is written by the, the author Luke who traveled with Paul throughout the Roman Empire on his missionary journeys. Luke was a, thought to be a first century physician. Uh, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, the good, the good news of Jesus, uh, one of the four gospels that we have. He also wrote the book of Acts. That, uh, his gospel talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The book of Acts talks about how the early church got started. Okay, we all track it. And he writes uh, the most complex Greek because he was super educated. It's most difficult for translators to translate in all the New Testament. A little background for you. But when it says there, this particular detail that Luke notes is that they were on the border of Galilee and, and Samaria. Why were they there? See, eventually in Luke, they're heading down to Jerusalem. But on the way, they're coming from Galilee. That's where Jesus was from. That's where the 12 disciples were from. By the way, the 12 disciples were essentially teenagers their home base for the ministry, picture this, was actually Peter's mom's house, right? It's like when they're planning how they're going to change and redeem the world. Let's go over to your mom's house. Like, that's what was happening here. And it was in Galilee. And after they left Galilee, they're on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Samaria is a city that used to be a part of the nation of Israel. And in 721 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel, which had broken away, was invaded by the Assyrians, and it had long become no longer Jewish or God-fearing, but they were thought of by the Jewish community as pagans. So the Samaritans, just to summarize, if, you track, if you're tracking with me, forget everything else, the Samaritans, they were the bad guys, right? Like, they're the bad people. You know the bad people, the ones that deserve everything they get. That was the Samaritans, and in this passage, as they're on the border of Samaria, they are going to be approached by ten men. One of them actually will be a Samaritan, the pagan one, the, the not, one that's not God-fearing. It goes on in verse 12 and says, as he was going into a village, ten, count that, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Here's why they stood at a distance. If you're unfamiliar with leprosy, it is a skin disease that can still occur today, but most of the time it doesn't because we have much better hygiene and, and things, ways of treating it. 
However, in that day, in first century in Israel, if you got this skin disease, leprosy, it was incredibly contagious. It was a horrible disease that covered your whole body. You could not go near any other human being unless they were a leper. You lived on the outskirts of the, the town or village. They wouldn't let you into the places where the human beings who didn't have leprosy were. And it was thought and even associated that if you had leprosy, it was because you did some bad sins. So you were a sinner, and all the sinners had to hang out together with their rashes and skin diseases. And so that's why these 10 men yell at Jesus from a distance because they can't even get near him. It goes on in uh, verse 13 and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. It says cleansed, but they were literally healed here. I don't know about you, but if I had leprosy all over my body and I couldn't interact with any other humans because of the infectious disease I have and Jesus healed me, I'd be like, praise the Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Like, oh, this is awesome. I'll do whatever you want. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I think, well, no, maybe I wouldn't because most of us aren't really thankful and stopping are grateful for anything in our lives. Why would we be thankful and grateful for that? And actually, nine out of the ten of them would never even return and thank Jesus for what happened. Look what happens here. It says, uh, verse 15, one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Only the pagan godless one came back. And sometimes, this is a real-life story, but for an analogy for us today, sometimes those of us who are truly grateful for what Jesus has done through his crucifixion and resurrection so that anybody can draw near to the eternal God, know him, uh, have eternal life in heaven, experience him now. Oh, the pagan who truly understands that they have a lot to be forgiven for sometimes are more thankful than the self-righteous Christian that feels like they, they're a good person already. Well, maybe that's just me, but only one out of the ten returns. Verse 16, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus, saying he was a Samaritan. 17, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Will you pray with me? God, uh, I pray that I, we, would become that one. The one who returns and fights back against the lust of the eyes, the idea that I will finally be happy if I have something. Instead, we'll become content where we are and be grateful for what you have already done in our lives. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in the room with us right now. God, we pray that may my words get small, may your Spirit speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, is anyone old enough to remember who Oprah is? Anybody? You know who? <laughs> You know who Oprah is? Uh, you remember how she used to do that big giveaway and she'd be like, you, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Uh, on Thursday at the Multiply Conference, we gave away, because of your generosities, we gave away 50% of the resources outside the walls of the church. Uh, we had some people designate gifts to give away $10,000 
to three different ministries. And so because the generosity as a church, we got to uh, help a, a ministry that's impacting the sex trade in Indianapolis. We got to help a, a boy's home that's addressing young men who, with uh, addicts and keep them out of prisons. We also got to help a recovery center in this little town in Bloomfield, Indiana. It was incredible. And, and what happened, somebody got so inspired, they gave an additional $10,000. They don't even attend our church or anything. Just an additional $10,000. And then people started giving more money. It was over $20,000 went out to these three ministries. It was incredible. And it all started with your generosity first. So I just wanted to appreciate that and thank you as a church. But then, you know, we didn't just want the generosity to be what happened on Thursday. We are actually, this weekend, we're doing something we've never done before. It's not just Oprah that's going to give out the free cars. We are going to give out a free car right now in this service. Get your program out. If you have a sticker, a red sticker that says Mother of the Year, Lisa Graff's Ministry, on the back of your program, you are the big winner. If you've got it, raise your hand high so I can see who it is. Somebody's got it in here. Who's got it on the back of your program? Yeah, get it out. You're going to need to look at it. There's a red sticker there. A red sticker. It's circular. Uh, Mark, do you know who got it? Look on the back of your program. Someone's got it. You get that free car, baby. Anybody? Oh, my goodness. This is perfect. Betsy, yes. <laughs> Betsy. Come on up. I got the keys. Come on. Welcome, Betsy. She comes up. Wow. She actually hosted and put on all of our dinners for the Compassion Campaign. And here you go. This is actually the key to my car. Your key is actually in the car right now. Yay! Lightning McQueen, thank Betsy. That is yours. You can keep it. That's just want to lead with generosity. Now, how, sometimes you get your expectations set high in life. We, we, she got a car, right? And it say it's going to be Lightning McQueen, but that's pretty special. Sometimes we have our expectations in life, and they're very high, and they're not met. What do you do then? How do you be grateful for what you've been How do you be content? You read these guys in the New Testament, and I, I don't know about you, I just want to get angry and upset sometimes when God doesn't show up. And, and I've lived that, and I'm going to share that at the very end of today. But I want to give you just three biblical ways, even when life doesn't get, you don't get what you expected, how you could actually declare gratitude in your life. Three biblical ways to declare gratitude, and I'm going to move very quickly. Uh, the first one is this. I know every good thing I have comes from God. This is kind of an antithetical to how our culture actually looks at things, right? Like we think I worked hard and I earned it and that's how I got what I deserved. And the truth is the Bible says all over the place, work hard as if you're working for the Lord. You should be diligent. Uh, laziness is not something that God is fond of. However, however, we must remember that every good thing in our life uh, comes from the Lord who gave us the ability to do those things that earned us the, what we had been given. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And those 10 individuals that we're using as a launching pad in Luke 17 to look at these biblical ways of demonstrating and declaring gratitude, they, they had lost that that this thing actually happened because of God. And I just wanted to pause because it's not just apply this to us as individuals or our families, but to our church. We have a lot to be grateful for right now. Do you realize this is just this week? 
just this week, and I got to do this quickly. On Monday, on Monday, we closed on the purchase of the former ITT building at Michigan Road and 96th Street, uh, right off of 465. Be the new West uh, Church that Pastor Luke is going to be the location pastor and, and be the lead pastor one day for. Uh, on that same day, when I woke up that morning, we needed about $650,000 to close. And we just, like, finished the, the dinners, like, what, I don't, was it a month ago, Betsy, something like that? And so we'd only been receiving funds for about a month. And on Monday morning, we had $450,000-plus already, which I thought was incredible, but we were going to have to enact some contingency plans of wiping out all of our one-month savings that we keep on hand. That's, all, that's what we keep because we give away so many uh, the resources to people in need and, and to empower others. And because of that, we were going to have to wipe all of that out. We were going to have to do some additional lending that we didn't want to do. And here's what happened. On Monday, people started walking in checks. People that hadn't told us they were going to do this, just completely out of the blue. Some big donations started to come in online. And then a group of people uh, about noon told us that they were going to cover whatever wasn't left to cover. And we walked in and got to pay 100% of it in cash. How cool is that? I mean, not literally in cash. I didn't go in with a suitcase or something, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was incredible. And then that same day, we, uh, we signed the lease on the contract for the uh, Mer- Mer- uh, excuse me, Mass Avenue downtown location in the Athenaeum, in the auditorium there, and that will start in August. So we can celebrate that. And the best, the best part of that was uh, when they sent us the contract, uh, it was actually a little higher than we had budgeted. And, and we said, oh, this is a little higher than we thought it was going to be. They actually sent the contract back and made it the budget that we had budgeted. So it was, just, it was awesome. The same day all that happened. On Wednesday night, we had Rooted in here. We had student ministry going. We had the first step class. We had people setting up for the Multiply Conference Thursday. Gave away over $20,000. And all of the Multiply Conference had what happened. We had people from all over the world there. And then on Thursday night, there was a concert here as we addressed the opioid crisis in the state of Indiana on uh, Friday morning. The conference had an amazing time again as we closed it out. And the community is forming of pioneering leaders that are going to change our world for Christ around the world. And then right after that, literally as the conference ended, the Wrestling Theology Fellowship came came in here, struck all, all the chairs and starting setting up a steel cage. I'm not making this up. A steel cage. Right, Rich? And we had a steel cage match right here in this auditorium on Friday night. And then at the end of it, uh, Rich or someone got up and shared the good news of Jesus at the end of it. Which, by the way, we have had multiple people come to faith for the first time in Christ or return to a church in over a decade because of wrestling theology. So that, that was just Friday night. Then on Saturday, the Zionsville Outpost uh, packed 625 boxes for Samaritan's Purse to send to kids around the world who wouldn't get a Christmas gift otherwise. And then last night was an amazing time as Brendan got to share his story for the first time, and he was actually here during the services. So it's been a crazy week, and we got to be grateful. We can't think that that has something to do with some human effort or we're going to get ourselves in a bad place. Every good gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. I know. I'm going to declare with gratitude. I know every good thing I have comes from God. Number two, if you're taking notes, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I love this passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then verse 13, I can do all this through Christ 
who gives me strength. Some of you may know uh, Philippians 4.13, right? Sports figures love that verse, and, they, and, and those sports figures are great, awesome, godly people, but they use it as a way I'm going to go out and compete on the field because Jesus gives me strength, but that's actually not what the verse is about at all. It's, it's about Christ gives me strength to be content no matter what circumstance I find myself in. That Paul is writing that, it's his last letter most likely that he wrote to the church in Philippi, most likely on house arrest or in a prison cell, something standing at least ankle deep in raw sewage because that was the type of prison system that they occurred in that time period. And he is writing, I am content in all things and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength even in this environment. You think you could do that? It looks like this when you don't get the job promotion at work to still be, I'm not going to let what I didn't get rob me of what I already have. I didn't get the promotion, but I got a family that loves me regardless of what job I have. I, I, I didn't get the new car that I wanted, but I, I'm thankful that I have a car that still runs. I, I don't have the mansion with the infinity pool, but I have running water. And if, if you drove here in a car that you purchased or leased, you have a shelter, a, a roof over your head, a, a bed that you sleep on, your floors aren't made of dirt, then you're a part of the wealthiest 1% to 2% of human beings in the world. And we live in the wealthiest society in human history, and yet we can't be content and be grateful for what we've already been given. What would that look? Man, that's convicting to me. I, I, I imagine it is for you too. You're going to hear from a man now named Brendan in this five-and-a-half-minute video before I make one short point to close us out. And he's going to talk about how life didn't go the way that he had wanted. He's actually in the picture of the baby there. And that's his dad. His mom is on the left. You can't quite see her. But he always wanted the marriage relationships that his godly parents had. And he went through a couple of divorces. Some of it he didn't cause, and some of it he was, he'd be honest and say that he did. And he's willing to share the mess and the junk that he's not proud of in some circumstances in his life and to demonstrate how gratitude actually changed his life. Let's watch this together. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be raised as a preacher's kid. Um, my father is still one of my best friends to this day. We go out weekly. My mother was just as awesome as my father was. Um, she has this presence of peace that goes with her. It almost exudes from her. So I grew up with two parents who loved God in a very passionate way. My parents had a phenomenal marriage relationship and uh, my dad still to this day dates my mom and writes poetry to her and romances her and gets excited about her like when they were first dating. And so I remember at a younger age coming to him and saying, Dad, how do I get this thing you've got with mom? That's what I'm going to do. When it's time for me to get married, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to have this thing my dad's had and it's going to be great. Fast forward to the time where I got married to my high school sweetheart. And then seven months in, she decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And that was devastating for me. And so I went to my mom and said, I don't know what to do. What do I do here? And she said, some of these things in life are too big for you to handle on your own. So when they become too big, she said, you have to hand them to God. And she said, you may have to hand this to God 350,000 times today because it hurts so much. And she said, my heart breaks for you. But she said, if you're faithful to return to God, even the hard things, God will replace and restore in his timing with things that are better than you can imagine. So for three days, I couldn't sleep until I was exhausted. And I was working at Red Lobster because it was the fastest way to get money to pay my bills because 
my ex-wife was gone. And then it all came crashing in on me again. And I looked up at the ceiling and I said, God, I can't keep doing this. So I'm going to give it to you one more time and probably a lot more times if this doesn't work. But I'm going to give this to you. And for the first time in my life, I felt God's presence. It felt like somebody reached down into my chest and pulled the pain out of my heart. And I laughed for the first time in three days. Now, I can't tell you everything went great and that the pain was gone forever. I still had to walk through that journey, but I knew that God was real and that he cared about me. A couple of years later, I met an awesome woman that I thought was a great fit for us together. And the first three years of our marriage were wonderful. Um, the last part of it, the last 10, were not something I would be happy to repeat. So after that relationship, I took a year at the recommendation of my counselor. He said, you really should take six months to a year before you get into a new relationship. At that time, I thought, why in the heck would somebody want to get into a new relationship? This thing really is tough. And I see what my parents have, but I can't seem to get it from me. Maybe I'm not good enough or awesome enough to rate that, but I took time and just really invested my time with God and uh, really made devotions a big part of my morning and my start to the day. And then I hit a brick wall. I found out my business partner uh, in a former business had decided he didn't want to do business with us anymore. So I'm sitting there looking at the loss of my marriage, having to restart everything all over, and now I've lost my business and at all the income that came from that. And I was venting to God, telling him, you know, I know this isn't your fault, but I'm not really thrilled with this option. And so he says, I want you to take pen and paper and write a list of all the things that you have to be grateful for. I spent about an hour and filled up three yellow notebook pages of paper. And I still had more to go, but you got to the point where you're going, okay, this is kind of stupid. I am so abundantly blessed. I have friends, I have a place to sleep, I have heat, I have food. Um, and he said, I want you to honor me every day when you start your day with three things at least that you're grateful for. And it changed my life. Uh, I will tell you that next year and a half was a year without a paycheck. I didn't take any money. I had some small savings that I drew from. I learned to eat on less than $10 a day. I went from a beautiful 2,600 square foot house on a pond to renting a room from my friends uh, because I decided I wanted to live a simple life and I wanted to be faithful to God. And that just because I wasn't earning income right now didn't mean that God hadn't still blessed me financially. And so I was gonna tithe anyway. So I did. And uh, I got the joy of growing a business from scratch and God blessed and prospered that business. And then he opened up other opportunities. And I'm happy to say God has done some amazing things in my life, uh, not just in my marriage, not just in my health, but in my finances. So I would encourage people who are looking at whether they should be generous is seek the Lord. He tells you one place in the Bible to test him in the area of life. And he says, test me in money. Why? because he knows how important it is in our lives. But he also knows how freeing it is if we surrender that money to him. So that's kind of the way I look at it, if that helps. Can we thank him for sharing? I don't know if Brendan was here last night. He might be attending online now, right now. We love you, man. And that's not easy to share. 
And obviously, we believe as you know, Christians that divorce isn't an option, barring violence or infidelity. But he's being honest about where his life has been. And it was actually gratitude that started changing his life and learning to simplify his life and being thankful for what he already has rather than thinking something else is finally going to make him happy. And many of you that know him know he has found an amazing Christian woman that uh, he and Susan are married and attend our church regularly. And it's really cool that uh, Brendan inspires me constantly with the way he lives a generous slash uh, grateful lifestyle. And every day, literally every single day on social media, if you guys follow him, Brendan posts three things that he's grateful for. And to this day, when his business took off, he still lives extremely simple even though uh, that's what has happened uh, with his, his financial outlook. So I want to encourage you today, if you have experienced brokenness and life expectations that weren't met, and you couldn't achieve what he always wanted initially, which was the marriage his parents had, that God's not done with you. And now he's got a, a great Christian wife, and you don't know what God's going to do with you next. And if you are in a marriage relationship, to not give up. That God, like Megan and Matt last week, can bring reconciliation if the two are willing to follow Jesus together. But to be grateful for what you're facing in your life, even today. I know what that's like when life doesn't live up to your expectations. And I want to close our time with that. Number three, if you're taking notes, I will declare and turn every blessing into praise. Every blessing I have into praise. Psalm 63, 4 and 5 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Psalm uh, 103, 2 to 5, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget, may I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Can you declare, I will turn every blessing in my life to praise, even when it's not easy? I, I told you on Thursday, for the first time in years, I shared the, the full story of losing our son, Jackson, the first year we were planting a church. Uh, at least I showed the video and everything. I've mentioned him in multiple sermons recently, but he, uh, it was really hard and an emotional day for Lisa and I afterwards. And on Thursday night, I came in here, and Aaron Pelsu, during his concert, sang a song called Body and Bones. Anybody at the concert? And he, he sang that song as a moment to sing to his dad uh, that passed away just two months ago, completely unexpectedly. And I identified with so much with the lyrics and the heart of what Aaron was sharing after losing his dad, after just sharing that about my son that morning. Sometimes life doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to what does it look like to praise and worship him even in the middle of that? It's okay to get angry. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be frustrated. The moment that we lost our son, I remember about 30 minutes later, I was praying in the hospital room, so angry at God and just telling him how angry I was. And by the way, he can handle it. The Psalms are full of people declaring their frustrations to the Lord. He can handle it. And as I did that, he reminded me of this guy in the New Testament, John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist? Paved the way for all Jesus' ministry, and he's rewarded for it by having his head chopped off and served on a silver platter to a pretentious woman at a party. 
And I remembered that in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, I always wanted these great stories that you read about, right? Like God made the Red Sea part. He made the sun stand still. Uh, Abraham doesn't have a sacrifice. His son Noah builds a prehistoric Titanic and six two of every animal on it. Like God has all these amazing things that people saw him show up and do. But have you ever read the end of Hebrews 11? It, it talks about the, the, the others, the Christians who didn't get that story, the Christians who lived in caves out of fear, who were sawed in two, were burned at the stake, lived destitute their entire lives and never received their reward this side of heaven. We don't get to determine the outcome of our lives. We don't get to determine our stories, but we do get to dictate how we respond to the story that we're living in. And I believe in our culture, biblically, we need to learn how to be thankful and grateful for what we do have rather than angry for what we don't. What would that look like in your life today? What would it look like to be the one, even the most pagan person in the room, who's going to return and say, I've been doing this to you, God, for so long, ungrateful for your sacrifice and your pursuit of me since the beginning of time. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to open up and receive your forgiveness, grace, and mercy. You can cleanse me like you did that leper. I am fully yours. And for some of us as Christians to start receiving his grace and mercy and being grateful for what we have been given rather than the angry toddler mad because we didn't get the wheel on the ship at the top of the slide. I don't know about you, but I need to respond to those verses we read in Scripture. I need to be more grateful, and Brendan has inspired me to notice the things I, as we move into Thanksgiving season, should be grateful for. And Some of us need to make some lists and just thank him. So we're going to close and respond right now. Will you pray with me, God? For those of us who are Christian in the room, I know life can happen and we get so busy and we're always thinking about the next thing. But we have a lot to be grateful for as a church and we have a lot to be grateful for as individuals. And so right now, if you're a Christian, just declare to him the things that you are grateful for. Take 30 seconds right now in this moment just to tell it to him. God, as we silently declare what we are grateful for and we praise you even in the hard seasons, I just want to thank you for this church. Thank you for this community that is truly sacrificially living to lead others to you, Jesus, being willing to send friends and family and resources to other parts of the state to see more people come to Christ. I'm thankful for my wife, for my kids. I'm thankful for... The, the staff here, thankful for all of the hundreds of volunteers. God, we have so much to be thankful for, and we declare it to you. And then some of us, God, we have known about you a long time, but we have not been grateful for your sacrifice. We have not been grateful for your creation and your redemptive work. And rather than running away, today we're going to run towards you. If that's you in the room and you would like to declare your gratefulness because of his salvation that he offers freely to you, you just have to receive his mercy and grace and forgiveness. I want to give you the opportunity right now to declare your gratitude for it and receive that in your life. Pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess that I need you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. I repent of the things I've done in my life. 
And like that one leper who returned home, the pagan in the room, God, I return home to you, and I am grateful for your work on the cross. I give you my whole life. God, we love you. We praise you for what you're doing in our church and in our lives and those outside the walls of this facility. God, use us immeasurably more. We thank you for what we've been given and entrusted with. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.